We're just normal men. What do you mean, normal men? We're just innocent men. <laughs> Gonna throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost... He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Oh, doctor! Howdy, guys. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. Today is Monday, January 22nd. It's wet and rainy outside and cool and just kind of prime weather for that time of year, feels like, anyway. Prime weather to be inside. It is. <clears throat> I am it's, it's not, not left. It's weird, though, because like in the forecast last night, it had a chance of some wintry mix and stuff like that. I woke up today and like I hate cold and, and wet. I've probably said that a million times. I'm sure I've said it on here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But I walked outside this morning and it was like 50 degrees. And my first thought, I know I've been, you know, I know that I've basically been conditioned over the past seven, eight days mm-hmm. is that 50 degrees isn't that warm, but it's like, it's such a nice break from the, from the weather we've been having. Yeah, you're absolutely not wrong. And honestly, yeah, looking at the uh, radar currently, I know there's like another heavy band getting ready to roll in here and. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty consistent throughout today and lighten up a little bit this evening, but next several days, we're going to be just getting a nice little steady rain, and yes, it's cooler, but it's, I mean, 59 degrees versus where we've been in the 30s. Yeah, well, and I'll, and yeah, I think I heard somebody say the other day, they were like, oh, we don't really need the rain. I'm like, this is Texas, we always need the rain, so I'll take it whenever it comes and however it comes, quite frankly. Never, ever cuss the rain. Well, I'm Rob White, fighting Texas A class of 14. And I'm Roy May, Fight Tech's A class 2015. And we are very excited to get back in to another round of goodies going on. We did have uh, some shooty hoops going on this weekend. That was kind of the the big kickoff for us. Yeah, yeah, I had uh, had two big games, to be honest, one for the men and one for the women. Um, and then, obviously, everything that went on with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I keep an eye on hockey, but I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. So, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we can dive in the NFL stuff first. Um, yeah, we, let's do that. Yeah, I, I think we just start with last night the Bills Chiefs. It's, yeah, uh, wide right too. Oh, dude, and and you got to be old enough to remember it, you know. But and sure. and the announcer even said it. He's like he he alluded to something like, "Where have we heard that before?" Or something, and I'm like, "Oof, bro, that is below the belt, man." The same and the way he he made sure to phrase it the same way it was phrased on the previous broadcast. Wide right. It's like yeah, oh. Scott. For those of you who remember Scott Norwood. <laughs> um, but I mean, what a game though! I, you know, oh, yeah. as somebody that didn't have any sort of rooting interest in it, other than maybe to you know root for Vaughn and, and Tyrell Dotson. Yeah. Um, just from an A and M point of view, it's such an exciting game. Um, <clears throat> I was, you know, I. I don't I pay attention to the Cowboys and and then every other team I'm aware of and I know the scores, but I don't pay attention to like streaks and stuff like that. Sure. But for that to be like the first road game that Patrick Mahomes has ever played in the playoffs is that's that's an amazing statement in and of itself, just because it, it shows how good they've been, always being able to play at home. Mm-hmm. Um and then he and uh, Kelsey surpassing Brady and Gronk for touchdown passes in the playoffs, that's another number that I mean, you're talking about records that don't exactly get broken on a regular basis. And I know that, you know, the time period between those two wasn't a real big. No. But um, but still, you're talking about two of the best duos ever, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, so whatever you think of Kelsey and all that stuff, it doesn't really matter. The dude just plays. He just shows up, man. He's he's one of those. I play, you know, I play fantasy football, and he's one of those. That if you can get him, you just take him. It doesn't matter where he is. Like, you just have to grab him. He's such a playmaker. Um, I think he'll end up going down as being better than Gronk, honestly. I, I, he's just – I think he's got plenty of years left in the tank. Mm-hmm. And as long as he stays and Mahomes stays, I, I just don't – I don't see that connection ever kind of breaking. No. And if you look at – I mean, the way that Kelsey went about last night, I mean, it wasn't a big night in terms of numbers. I mean, five receptions for 75 yards, but two of those catches were touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you are there for the critical catches. Well, I, you look in the playoffs, I mean, and I and I get it across the board, it's all about scoring, right? You, you know, just score more than the other team, you'll be fine. But yeah, but you know, putting out two touchdowns in a playoff game, that's a that's a massive performance. And it doesn't matter if you're a wide receiver or you're a tight end, or even if you're a running back and you run for two. 
mm-hmm. uh, or you're a Packers running back and you run for 38 against the Cowboys. Um, mm-hmm. But um, he's just there, you know, he, he's, he's, he's such a talent and, and I'm, I'm such a huge fan of, of kind of that hybrid tight end that has really, really, I, I mean, I don't, don't want to say that Gronk was really the first to do it by any means. Um, but, you know, Antonio Gates, they lined up, you know, a ton on the line, still blocking. Um, you know, one of those big pa- uh, pass catchers. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, Jason Witten, you know, Good. really was able to start splitting down the slot a lot more. And and I love what the tight end position has become. And I think, and one of my, one of the things I love is that, you know, teams are carrying, you know, three tight ends, four tight ends. You've really got your primary running. You've got your primary passing, but they're both able to do both. So it's not like when this tight end is on the field, I know for a fact, this is what's happening. And so I, I like, this is really random. I, I really love how the tight end position has evolved over the years in the sport too. Cause you know, once it evolves in the NFL, you see it to start trickle down. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so, and, and maybe there's a couple of college programs that were doing it really before we saw the big outbreak, uh, you know, at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I love seeing what's happened to the tight end position. Um, but you know, I'm I love offense. You know, chicks dig the long ball, right? Um, sure, they do. And yet, so it's um, I, I love offense. I mean, I love a good smothering defense. There's, I mean, you know, I grew up watching the wrecking crew. I get it, man. I, I grew up watching some of those Cowboys defenses. I I totally understand how fun it is. To watch a de- like have your defense go on the field and realize that they're not going to be out there for probably more than four plays, maybe five. Yeah. Um, so I love defense, but the ability to, to just space out defenses from from a you know from an offensive scheme perspective, and and that's where that you know that hybrid tight end position has become. It's really opened up offenses, and it's and it's forced defenses, and especially and now you've got you know you're combining it with a a Travis Kelsey and a Patrick Mahomes who's you know, whose ability within the pocket to shift and change the pocket and to also scramble, just, mm-hmm. you know, these defenders are really having to make a lot harder decisions. Um, you see it with Buffalo, with Josh Allen and and, and Kincaid. Kincaid can be that kind of hybrid tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was just such a fun game to watch because they were so e- evenly matched. You know, Buffalo goes out and just kind of starts running it down Kansas City's throat. But then Kansas City found a way to turn around, and it's through scheme, and it's through scheme and play calling. They're turning around and start kind of running it down Buffalo's throat. So I, I thought of, of the weekend, that was the best game to watch. And that, I mean, I've got no rooting interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I, I loved that game. Um, I thought uh, when I turned on, uh, I turned on the Texans game because I finished up with the open house. So I, just, I was just catching it, um, you know, mm-hmm. caught it on the radio. Uh, I was surprised w- when I caught it, you know, how they were, they were hanging in there. But I think we all expected Baltimore to pull away. Uh, Lamar Jackson's a freak. I mean, um, he, he always has been, and he's such not just a phenomenal passer, but, you know, his his running game is so important to what he does. I mean, you have 11 carries for 100 yards, two touchdowns on the ground running as a quarterback. Yeah, and, and far and away, even before the games ended yesterday and, you know, all those quarterbacks were included, he's the be- I think he's the best running quarterback in the NFL. I, I don't know that there's anybody that's even close. You can maybe say Josh Allen in the sense that, Josh Allen doesn't run a ton, but he's super efficient. But then again, I mean, look at look at Lamar. I mean, when he takes off running, I, I mean, so he's the best running quarterback. I, he needs to be the MVP this year. Um, I was surprised that the Packers kept it as close as they did with the Niners. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I tell you what, the, the Texans, you know, the Texans are on their way, but the Texans got to figure out how to run the ball when they want to. They, yeah, absolutely. And I understand this with the Texans, something I do have to take with a little bit of grain of assault. You know, they're sitting there with, you know, obviously rookie head coach, uh, rookie quarterback. Um, and frankly, what they were able to accomplish in year one, if you're a Texans fan, you know, take take this loss to the Ravens and just take it with a little bit of grain of salt because you will be kind of trending in the right direction over the next several seasons. There's a lot to be positive about in Houston right now. Yeah, you made you made the divisional round. Um mm-hmm. and again with rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, um, and a rookie quarterback that didn't have a running game. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. I can't remember the last time the Texans had a running game. What Arian Foster? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. That, that <laughs> might be the last time they had a legitimate running game to compliment. And I know that some of those years might have been they didn't have a running game because they had like some of the worst quarterbacks in the league under center. Sure. Um, but right now they have one of the better performing quarterbacks and obviously the best rookie in the league yeah. under center, and they still can't seem to manage a running game. So that's 
you know, if, if the Texans were to focus on literally one thing, I, I mean, it's got to be that, or at least that's got to be your number one thing to focus on for next year. Whether that's just the running backs or it's running backs, plus you need to get some better offensive linemen, mm-hmm. you know, so be it. But if you can get a running game, you know, with what we've seen out of C.J. Stroud, as long as you don't see, you know, that sophomore year kind of regression, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, yeah, like you said, if, if you're a Texans fan, I know you're disappointed, but I mean, one – Deep down in your heart, did you really expect to be Baltimore and Lamar Jackson? Nobody thought you were. Yeah, nobody thought you were even making the playoffs preseason. Yeah, you weren't even. Did you expect? Yeah, did you expect to go to Baltimore and beat Lamar Jackson? So it's it's, you you gotta kind of put it in perspective. Um, You know, not manage expectations by any means, but I think you have to put in perspective on what the Texans were able to accomplish um, in a year that, like you said, nobody was expecting them to accomplish anything. Nope. They did a phenomenal job in terms of the way that they've restructured the program and laid this foundation for what's going to be coming up in the near future. And that's exciting. And you look at a lot of teams that have had to do that. And one team without a doubt is the Lions with what they've been able to accomplish over the last several seasons and could not be happier for Dan Campbell and crew. I mean, you win both of your home playoff games. Now you got to go on the road, you know, the 49ers, but yeah, in my heart, that's that's my team. <laughs> that's who I want to win the whole thing at this point. Well, you know, what's funny about the Lions is, you know, we say a lot in college how, you know, the program takes on the pers- uh, personality of the head coach. Yeah. Um, and and you see that in, in the pros to an extent, <clears throat> um, just depending on kind of the strength of, of the head coach. Yeah. Um, but the good the good franchises, you know, do that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Bill Belichick with the Patriots for years is just kind of no nonsense, come to work and come to work to work kind of thing. Um, and the Patriots took that on and they became kind of a, I mean, obviously they had Tom Brady, but I mean, it's just kind of yeoman's work, get in, do what you're told kind of thing. And I, and Dan Campbell, it, he's really set up that kind of two way respect. And I don't know anything about Bill Belichick personally or how he ran it internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure there was, you know, to some extent he was the same way, but it's, it's an overpouring of respect going the other direction as well, coming from Dan Campbell. Um, And we've seen it through uh, the hard knocks and um, just his press conferences. And I think Aggies have seen a lot more. You don't have to be a Lions fan to have seen a lot of Dan Campbell just because you're probably at least keeping track of him a little bit. And, and the Lions, it's funny because there's talent, you know, the the, Monsanto Ross is great. Uh, Josh Reynolds, I think is a fantastic uh, supplementary wide receiver. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, what's his name under center Um, golf. Goff, yeah. Goff is he's a serviceable quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got you know good tight end. It's pretty good running backs. Um, it's just they're like this ragtag band of misfits who just all came together and mm-hmm. really took Dan Campbell's kind of approach to heart. And it mm-hmm. was, hey, let's trust each other, let's love each other. You got to trust the process, and if you trust me, I promise we'll be where we want to be. Um, you know, we're not setting. You know, any sort of this or that. It's just this is this is the whole thing. You've got to stick with me and you've got to trust me. And mm-hmm. it's it's hard to call BS on Dan considering they're going to the NFC championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about and you're also talking about the Lions who, you know, have been 30 some odd years since they won a playoff game, something like that. Yeah. Or hosted one or something like that. The, the, so the, pre- the previous game was back in ninety one. So yeah. So what he's done in, in the motor city is nothing short of a miracle. Oh yeah. Um and and I think that could be a great game. I think the Lions have a legitimate shot at at going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you do have a obviously a very good 49ers team. I mean, Brock Purdy has just looked outstanding, uh, phenomenal quarterback, and really just a great all-around team oh, out there in San Francisco. There's a reason they're number one, and they've done very well at home. But you got to yeah, like Christian what – Christian McCaffrey is just ridiculous. He is. I mean, that, that's kind of all there is to that. It's just that's not <laughs> – He's he's another one of those guys where you know if if you do fantasy football like go get him, <laughs> yeah that's a dude right there. Um, but they they played so well, um, and so that's you know you got Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn, Josh Reynolds all on the team, and you know you hate to see Mike Evans not make it, but no offense to Baker Mayfield, but the Bucks might need to go find a quarterback. Although Mike may not need to stay in Tampa Bay, so there's that. Also that um, because I would I would sell a lot for C.D. Lamb to be the number one and Mike Evans to be the number two. Yeah, I could totally see that. I think that would be a – Yeah, pretty... Brandon, Brandon Cooks can go away. Like, I, I got a, I got a lot of names that we can dump. 
For maybe, sure. we, maybe we can trade Jerry Jones too. Um, no, you know, you definitely need to trade Jerry Jones, but good luck. I don't think anybody's looking for him though. That's the problem. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Everybody says the NFL, the NFL is so stale and all this. And, and I, and I get that, um, but they're the best football players in the world. Yeah. Um, and when you're, when you're able to watch a game and have no rooting interest. Um, and I think you naturally, you know, if you don't care about either team, I think naturally I, I find this is kind of my thing. Naturally, I just end up rooting for the underdog. Like I just generally root for the lower seed um, unless the lower seed is a team that I just absolutely hate. Fair. So, so I find myself kind of rooting for the underdog, but still not caring who wins. Mm-hmm. And so I just like entertaining football um, going back to the bills, Chiefs games. I think everybody had a little bit of that. Um, little, uh, little flashback uh, hardship as Aggies. Um, when yeah. the ball got fumbled through the end zone. Yeah, that was very shades of Clemson 18. A lot of people were making references to that, which, you know, yeah. worst rule in football and a lot of people's opinion. I will I will say, though, they at least got the call right. If that's the rule, they did get the call right. Because mm-hmm. um, at first look, I thought he was down. So that was, I mean, that was a pivotal, pivotal play because if, if uh, KC goes in and scores there, I mean, the game's basically over at that point. Yeah. So that was definitely an important play in the game. But I mean, but there's some good football, and I'm looking forward to seeing some good football again. And oh, um, now, and it's nice not to also just sit there and be completely locked in. Like I can watch the game, and then I kind of go do some stuff and come back to the game. And yeah, you know, it's, part of me is definitely just looking at the initial round. I mean, I at this point, I think Chiefs Lions is what I would prefer in the Super Bowl, strictly because. Uh, well, being a Steelers fan, I can't exactly pull for the Ravens, and I'd rather not have another team get to six Super Bowls in the 49ers. So let's keep it in the Lions and Chiefs run if we can. Well, I'll be honest. You know, if this this is one of those things, man, because I'll be honest, going into the game, I thought that the Bills really I, – I, I thought the Bills not were, were overwhelming favorites, but I did not expect the Chiefs to win. And it's not because Patrick Holmes, Mahomes hadn't played on the road or anything. I just thought the Bills were playing – so well, and I know that the Chiefs had really, you know, they're hitting their stride, which is, you know, the best teams hit their stride at the right time of the year. Yeah. Um, but I really thought the Bills were going to win the game. I mean, I just kind of, especially, the, you know, the, the flow of the first half and really the first quarter or so. But, you know, Lamar Jackson is amazing. But, I mean, again, can you count out Patrick Mahomes at this point? I mean, can you? It's just, he, he's unbelievable. And, he, and he's got some great weapons around him, even though, you know, they lost Tyreek Hill. Um mm. You know, who's obviously incredibly electric, mm-hmm. um, that, and we saw all year long in Miami. But I, dude, I would coin flip that game. Honestly, I, I that's that should be must watch TV if you're a football fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a Cowboys fan, so you know I don't want the Niners to win. Um, yeah. Plus, yeah, I, I think you know it's it's just such a great story with Dan Campbell. I would love to see them, even if they don't win, just get to the Super Bowl. I think that, that what a you know what a storyline. For Dan. Well, and and the storyline for the Lions as a franchise because they have just been in the struggle bus for so long. I, I get yeah, it. They, it's like they've mirrored their city. Like as the city crumbled, the franchise crumbled, or vice versa. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe and maybe this is just helpful thinking, but maybe the revitalization of, of the Detroit Lions football franchise will help revitalize parts of Detroit because that city sure could use it. Yeah, well, and you saw it with, I mean, you know, just down the road in Ann Arbor with Michigan this year, finally getting over the hump in however many years. And so, I mean, if you're a Michigan-based football fan, it's kind of an exciting time. If you're like a combo Wolverines-Lions fan, it's it's a good time right now. I mean, I would assume most of them are. Yeah. But so. If you believe that the NFL is scripted, then the Ravens are going to win and the Harbaugh's will have won both. Yeah, I think you're right based on what they were talking about. So, we'll, I mean, we'll, if you believe if you believe that it's script, if you do believe the script, which I very well might, but I don't know, it'll be entertaining yeah. to see how it shakes out. <laughs> regardless, I, I think it's I think it's going to be great. Um, I, yeah. I think again, I think they're both going to be great games to watch, and and you know, and it sucks for the Cowboys not to be there, but since they're not there, it's enjoyable to be able to just enjoy kind of a football game and not get all wound up, you know, wound around the axle about it. Mm-hmm. But I want to move on to uh, Aggie basketball. Aggie basketball, girls or boys? Who are we starting with? Uh, we'll start with the women. Uh, number one team in the nation, undefeated. Doesn't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. South Carolina came to town. 
I was blown away at the attendance. Oh yeah. Outstanding support by the 12th man. Um, but it's, it's just the number one thing. I mean, watching the flow of the game, obviously, you know, they, they open with a 15, 15, zero run. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there thinking, is this just Aggie basketball across the board? We just start slow, but you have to keep in mind that this, this is South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the overall majority of their players will most likely end up in the WNBA or, or professional overseas. Um, their depth is startling. Oh, you know, they don't, they don't drop off Their Their bench could probably compete for the sec. Um, but the numbers I I thought were staggering. And again, you know, we were, we were missing, uh, uh, you're missing a key player, but, a, but one player isn't going to make this big of a difference. It's just staggering. They got uh, South Carolina shot 67% from the field and almost 54% from behind the arc. That's just, that's bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at, you know, the stat that, you know, a lot of Aggie men's basketball uh, fans will look at is the, uh, is the rebounds. We got out rebound of 42 to 29. I mean, that's just, that's brutal. Um, <clears throat> just not be able to crash the boards. And, but they, you know, South Carolina has late their, their center of their post was uh, six, seven, I think is what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and if you, there comes a point where if you don't have the height, you just don't have the height uh, unless you can just jump out of the gym to, to negate it. Um, but the, they turned him over more than I think uh, South Carolina normally does. Um, I, this is just one of those where you it's, it's a game you just need to learn from. Yeah. I think more than anything, uh, you learn from it and, and just move forward. And, and unfortunately, yeah, I know there's no moral victories, but I think there's a distinct understanding that I'm not, nobody's going to be South Carolina this year. I would be shocked if they dropped the game. They're they're at they're playing at a level right now that they're just off to such an incredibly hot start. And I mean, when when you open up the game in the first ten minutes and you're up twenty five to eight, I mean that does just set a precedent for the rest of the game. And it and it does kind of take the wind out of your sails. And they they tend to do that well. That's one thing that South Carolina is really better about lately this season. Well, what Don Staley's built in South Carolina is is uh, similar to you know what Gino Ariema had going you know at UConn for the longest mm-hmm. time. <laughs> The, the top, top, top players in the nation want to go play. Yep. And she basically takes who she wants and the rest go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So she just builds a monster year over year. And she's young. So South Carolina is not going anywhere anytime soon. It'll take it'll take another team to be able to build the talent and the depth to upset them somewhere along the line. I mean, LSU won last year, mm-hmm. but I think South Carolina is better. I think they are too. Uh, we're going to find out on Sunday. They actually play in the red stick on Sunday. Um, there you go. But, but you go back and you talk about size and just difference in, in, in rosters. I mean, they had uh, South Carolina had 56 points in the paint. I mean, that's that's ludicrous. That's bonkers. Yeah. So it's tough, tough game, um, tough game to watch. But, you know, I, I'm proud of how the girls stayed in it, you know, after getting off to such a bad start and, and able to, uh, quite frankly, be somewhat respectable. I mean, a 35 point loss to South Carolina isn't the worst thing in the world. You, I guess you kept them under a hundred. <laughs> you know, you turn them over fourteen times. So there's there's a few positives to take away, but you know, a lot of that may just be take the tape, flush it, and move on. Um, yeah, exactly. Which I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to. You know, to, to that approach. No, not at all. Definitely be. Uh, well, and you know, so you take take it on the chin, you move on, and you know, coming up after this, I mean, you've got. A game at Missouri, a game at Florida, Mississippi State. Yeah, winnable games. Well, what's what's funny is is they were talking about it kind of near the end of the broadcast. You know, obviously South Carolina's the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know, who's who's the team, you know, that that can step up and be that, you know, number number three team uh, you know, in the league. And they mentioned AM. Um, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the reasoning was behind really Joni Taylor and, and what she's been able to do and and understanding their non-conference schedule wasn't the strongest. But again, we talked about this, learning how to win sometimes can be just as important as, you know, taking it on the nose from a really good team. Um, so I think that people are recognizing, obviously her, you know, her cred in, in the coaching world, she coaches the U19s nationally. So you know, she, she knows a lot of these girls and has longstanding relationships with it. And that's something to be excited about because she can cultivate those relationships into recruiting battles, yep. you know, and recruiting battle wins. And the only way you're going to be able to beat powerhouses like a South Carolina is you, you just got to stack talent. Mm-hmm. You just have to stack talent and, and as best you can. 
And then once you stack the talent, assuming that South Carolina still has a superior talent, then it does come down to coaching. And that's one thing that I'm very confident with with Jody Taylor. Yeah, she has been a phenomenal coach. And, yeah, we had to you know, deal with our struggles last year with the injury. But, you know, this year, learning how to win, win well. And, you know, if we can just take what we learned from South Carolina, apply it to these next several matchups. Uh, you have the opportunity uh, coming up here in February with a really, really big home game against LSU to potentially show people what we're all about and see if we can't creep up into that spot. Yeah, you know, if, if you can get on a little run going here, and 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 again, whether you decide to do a deep dive or you just flush the South Carolina tape, you know, again, if it comes back to coaching, um, you know, there's a reason that she's still coaching the national you know, underage team. You know, she's obviously quality because there's plenty of coaches for them to choose from, so she's done a good enough job. Oh, yeah. So there's excitement there knowing about her ability and knowing that, that from a national perspective, you know, she's trusted to lead these girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's got to be some excitement. You just kind of got to deal with with yesterday. It's, man, South Carolina is just absolute animal. I, there's no way to, to split it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so hopefully, you know, as, as they move forward, they can um, get back in the win column and try and provide a little momentum, uh, you know, leading into that game with LSU. Oh, yeah. So right. heading over to the men's side, speaking of LSU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a win. Yeah. Great win on the road. Uh, yeah. I have no idea how to peg this basketball team. No, it, it it's very Jekyll and Hyde, isn't it? It's like you you go on, you know, at home, you take down a really top level Kentucky team in overtime. Should have beaten them in regulation, but you take them down in overtime. Uh, you struggle, you struggle with uh, Arkansas on the road, like we just seem to do. I don't understand that. But then we turn around, go to Red Stick, and win that game. You know, in, in a dogfight, but we win it. Yeah, well, in a dogfight where we didn't have Wade Taylor pretty much most of the first half. Yeah. So, you know, a dogfight where you needed kind of some dogs to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, and and quite frankly, before Saturday, I don't think any of us knew who those dogs could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we all know Boots, but it can't just be one person. The only time it can just be one person is Wade Taylor, and even then he's got to have Boots. But the combination of them on the court frees them both up. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's the biggest thing. You know, whereas if it's just Boots, he's – not you're not gonna be able to get it done if it's just Wade Taylor probably not gonna be able to get it done so there's some complimentary play there but you still need some you know you need some role players and we saw that and we saw that at LSU you know Garcia out of nowhere popping a couple of threes uh, yeah. I think Hefner had one um I think we saw Carter step up I thought he played uh I thought he played great mm-hmm. um, I thought he played really well um Obasiki, uh played better on Saturday he did um little bit more control to his game. Levesque is just, you know, he's still getting there. Uh, it's just, yeah. uh, I, th- I think we're seeing the improvement. He's still getting there. I was thrilled to see, um, you know, when he went to the line, you know, to knock him down because we were abysmal from the line, 11 from 20. Yeah, you can't right. go out and shoot 55% for the charity stride. That's just, yeah. I don't know how that works, man. That's um, how you lose games. <laughs> yeah. If you're over to, able to overcome it though, and, <clears throat> and I think, you know, really the swing and momentum was in, fir- in the first half and, and it feels like as an Aggie basketball fan, this is just like a repeating, you know, it just put me on repeat kind of things, like a broken record. It's like they couldn't miss from behind the arc in the first half. Mm-hmm. And and I understand that, you know, if you're going to, you know, when you're playing the rotation defense, you'd rather have somebody shoot a three than something within, you know, eight, 10 feet, right? You know, just because simple percentages state that, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're not going to make as many. No. The problem is, it just seems like every time we get in that rotation, that team just catches fire. But where we saw the swing was in the second half. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn from outside of the arc. Yeah. So live by the three, die by the three is where LSU was. They were. And we found a way to creep up ahead of them and maintain that most of the second half. So it was good to see the boys just grind out a really, really tough win on the road. And now you've set yourself up for a pretty decent little stretch. Now you've got three straight home games. Against Missouri, Ole Miss, and Florida, and a ranked Ole Miss team that, frankly, is beatable. So go beat them. Well, I mean, you beat you beat ranked Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's and and I would put Kentucky worlds above Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think I saw and I again, like I don't keep up with the other conference games other than the scores, mm-hmm. um, and in non conference, I don't keep up with it at all. But I think. I think from what I've heard is that Ole Miss hasn't really played or really didn't play anybody out of conference. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a bit of an inflated record and possible possible ranking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that old Miss game. So Mizzou, you like to think you can take care of business, right? You like to think. Um, that old Miss game, I think, is going to be just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great opportunity. And again, you know, you love that you're getting it at home. You love that you kind of get a little break from what seemed like you got better, like went on the road to Auburn. You came home, you beat Kentucky, but you had, you had, it took you overtime to do it. And, you know, nine officials apparently. Mm-hmm. Then you go on the road um, to Arkansas and, and you get kind of smushed, you know, and just, and it's like you're, it's kind of this roller coaster. So yeah. just being able to be home, you know, for, for a few games. And then, you know, your next road game is Missouri. So again, you know, if you beat them on the front end, you feel a lot better uh, going on the back end. Although playing in Missouri is so weird. It is. Um, but then you get Tennessee at home. So again, you know, it's more of a manageable kind of slate moving forward. Um, you know, unfortunately you got Tennessee twice this year, but, uh, but you know, you, you'd love to be able to split it, right? If you can split it. So you split LSU, you've already at the least you split um, Kentucky. Yep. Wait, I don't think we're playing Kentucky again. No, um, no. So we, just yeah, we don't we play have Kentucky the win. Again. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, so if you can pick up, the home game against Tennessee, you, you can split that. So there's there's a lot there's a lot about the the schedule that's manageable, you know, mm-hmm. kind of moving forward. Um, but we do need to see a little bit of a kind of a spurt. Like, yep, we we need to put some games back to back and 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 some quality back to back. It sounds like Henry Coleman is is not well. Um, mm-hmm. He's just really fighting through a, a tough injury. So you got to be able to to kind of pick up his rucksack. Um, yeah. You know, Wade Taylor, you stay out of foul trouble, you're fine. I mean, he basically only played in the second half and still was the, the leading uh, scorer for, for the eggs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, those contributions, and I think Garcia has become more of a constant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Solo is uh, is close uh, to being consistent. Um, Levesque has got to keep stepping it up, especially if Henry Coleman's going to be down. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got to get something out of Hefner. And, uh, and, and I like Carter. I, li- I like what I saw out of Carter on, on Saturday. So, uh, you know, if he can kind of maintain that, you know, good role player, it reminds you a lot, a little bit of a Dexter Dennis, kind of the, you know, the, the third man, cause you have, you know, you have Wade and you have boots and then you need kind of that third man who can shoot a little bit, who can play some defense, um, <clears throat> you know, isn't necessarily long, like, like, uh, Garcia or, or Levesque, but, um, but you know, you just you got to get some con- con- contributions from from the role players, and and we saw that you know playing LSU, we we got some, and and even without Wade Taylor, we we were able to pull it off. You know, we got half of Wade Taylor basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's so long as you can find a way to make up for production where it's lacking. You know, if you can find a way to do that, it's a good sign of a good team, and it's a sign of good good growth amongst the players too. You know, learning how to adapt to your roles and grow, and so if as long well, as we can keep doing that. And what have we seen out of Buzz teams every year? He gets yeah. better as the season goes on. So, you know, if you kind of – if you take that along with the schedule, I think you're able to inject some optimism into um, – I, I didn't see bracketology. I don't know if it came out. I don't follow Joe Lenardi, but yeah. I figure we're probably still around seven or eight seed. Um, yeah. So, but but you have an opportunity to grow that. You know, you got some, a couple games with uh, uh, Tennessee, a couple games with Ole Miss. You know, those are both teams that are right now regarded as, as good teams. You got to make sure you avoid any bad losses more than anything. You know, that's always – like, you know, that's the big one is to avoid a bad loss, right? Exactly. So you need Arkansas to go on a run. Like, you need Arkansas to start beating everyone they play. And you need to not lose to the likes of Vanderbilt. You need to not lose, you know, some of these other games as we're getting down the stretch. Well, and, and honestly, I, I mean, I don't know that losing to Missouri would be very good. Not at all. So, I mean, there's there's a couple. There's So there's two with Missouri, and is it one with Vandy, I think? Yeah, one, um, one with Vanderbilt at on the road. You got two with Missouri, both a home and on the road, and those are the two bottom teams in our conference. Both over in conference play so far. So you got to go three and zero in those games. Like there's, they're like you just can't. You can't not go three and zero against the against those three. Um, you know everything else on your schedule though. There's some tough basketball in the SEC, and and we've seen that over the last few years. Obviously, um, well more than just the last few years. Um, so it's. It's an exciting slate, and again, I think there's optimism to be had with you know knowing that Buzz's teams do get better, um, both during games and throughout the season. It just you know, as as an Aggie basketball fan, I would just please, please ask like, could you just stop? Could you just be good at the start? To also, like, can we do that? Can, can you not dig yourself holes? Um, yeah, but. Because you know you dig a hole against the likes of of, of a Tennessee, and uh, it, I mean you just it's done. 
yeah, there's there's not much you can do to get past a team that you know once they're on their roll, once they're moving, they'll bury you. They'll bury you. Well, I, yeah, they they won't let up off the on you know they won't let off the gas. Um, yeah, that LSU game on Saturday, boy, the first few minutes it sure felt like it was just running away from us again, didn't it? Yeah, but we found a way to crawl back into it, and that's that's what we like to see out of our teams. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. punched in the mouth, find a way to recover. That part you cannot doubt about this team is their ability to crawl back, grit hard, like hard nosed, get back into a game. I just wish they would understand that if you don't have to do that, you expend less energy. Yeah, it's like, hey, maybe if we get off to a hotter start, maybe that's not an issue we have to worry about later. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so hear me out, guys. I've got a suggestion. <laughs> maybe if we like just win the game ahead of time, let's we don't score have to worry about before. It. Let's let's score before the sixteen minute mark. Let's let's just focus there. Yeah, great, 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 uh, great. Yeah, opening opening four minutes. Let's get some points. So, uh, yeah. So basketball, yeah, rocking and rolling. We're excited for them. Uh, twenty six days from baseball. Twenty six. Uh, twenty six, and um, you know we got some fun, cool, exciting uh, uniform news for uniform nerds like myself. We got two new uh, uniforms into the mix this year. Um, one that I'm in particular really happy about, uh, new ma- new maroon top, which uh, this maroon top's replacing what we had previous. And the previous top, for those of you who pay attention to baseball, that was kind of our uniform late 2000s into the early 2010s. And we wore that style with the piping and the art Texas A&M for many, many years. And it's a little nostalgic because that was my era of baseball. But that particular uniform just did not fit with the rest of our set because we were big on scripts and we were big on that kind of thing. So it just didn't make a lot of sense. Turn around, get a plain maroon uniform, Aggies across the chest, real plain, real simple, and it works. I Phenomenal. can't tell from the pictures. Is it a pullover or a button-up? It's, it's got to be a button. It's a button-up. It's it's, it's, a, sim- it's a similar style to what Nike's been doing with their button-ups where like the buttons are not showing. Like oh, they're, okay. on, they're on the inside underneath, but it is yeah, like the button flap. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, that's what these new, um, you know, the new template, that's what they have on those uniforms. So matching more with the line with Nike. So both the new uniforms have that template uh, maroon one. And what's really cool about that, obviously coming with the big block T hat, just a big block T on the shoulder. And what's cool about that is that is a throwback to the late seventies and early eighties for Aggie baseball. That was what yep. our uniforms looked like back then. So yep. it's kind of a neat little throwback and whether it was intended that way or not, that's what it is. And that's pretty cool for me. You know, I, I appreciate a good throwback every day of the week. Um, and then, you know, doing the 100th well, birthday every day of the week. Not every day. And then uh, you look at um, the uniforms, uh, the other set being a, we're bringing back red, white, and blue. Um, very simplified from the previous versions, just plain blue text, plain red lettering, uh, red numbers. Yep. And it's clean and it looks good. And that'll be a solid look. Um, and that's for the 100th birthday for George H.W. Um, in celebration of that. So re- really kind of a nifty little thing to do for baseball there. We'll see if the core uniforms make a reappearance, but as it stands, we know for sure at least about eight uniforms uh, for this yeah. next year. So that's that's fun. And honestly, you know, with all these polls coming out, you know, Aggie Baseball ranked top 10 in virtually every poll so far. Um, I think the lowest we've seen is eight. Highest is about six or five. So yeah. A lot to be excited about in terms of baseball, um, especially on the offensive side. Now the question will be, huh, can the pitching maintain? But obviously that's something we'll look at as we get a little bit closer. I'm excited for that. Yep. Very excited. We shall see. Mm-hmm. With yeah, spring comes hope renewed. Yes, it does. And Lord knows uh, Aggie baseball, there's a lot of hype around it this year. And a lot of people mm-hmm. are very excited for it. And I mean, I'm excited for it just like everybody else is. I mean, I'm excited for it, minus the away slate in conference. So brutal. It is. And I, I don't think August, it can get it is any worse year. than that. <laughs> I don't think it can get any worse than that, though. Like that's that's the that's the most insane away schedule I can think of. Yeah. That you know, since you all since you always rotate the Mississippis. Yeah. And man, the Mississippis, 
Unfortunately, starting next year, that's not going to be as much of an issue for us. But you're not wrong. It's with the Western slate, just there's so many good teams in the West. And you are just going to go through a slate. I mean, you're, we have to kick off our SEC road slate. I mean, the entire SEC slate, we are on the road at Florida to kick it off. And Florida's yeah. not. Yeah, and who you pull out of the East is Florida. And I don't care where Florida finished last year, and I don't care where they finished. Like, Florida is just a, it's just a well-run program. They are. You know it's going to be a dogfight to open up the ACC in Gainesville. No, and then you have road game South Carolina, which, you know, traditionally oh. great, great program. Uh, you do have Auburn at home and Mississippi State at home uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of those two road series. And Mississippi State obviously was still reeling from the last couple of seasons. But – yeah. But yeah, even, you'd love to trade out those Mississippis and be in Starkville and have Ole Miss here. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah. I would get behind that. But uh, yeah, yeah and we you gotta know, go to the box. Yeah. Oh, just yeah, and seriously, the SEC is like murderers row in baseball. It yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, if you flip all those, I'm like, oh man, crap. It's just. I mean, well, and, the, and the funniest part about it is we are part of that murderers row, where people like it or not. A and M is yeah. a very good program, and people look at us on the schedule for on the road at Olson Field. People are like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait until we get facility upgrades. Yeah, which um, I was reading something very interesting about that. Apparently those are being pushed off a little bit. Thanks to the Jimbo buyout, believe it or not, because of how much money went towards that. They said a lot of those projects got moved back a year. And I'm like, dang it. It's like, it's like we got rid of Jimbo, but at what cost? No new ballpark. Dadgummit. Well, I mean, if it's only a year, I think, I think, you know, we can. It'll be fine. We can live with it. Yeah, it'll be fine. Like, here's the deal: we love Olson for what it is. I mean, I'm excited about facility upgrades as much as anybody else is because I mean, I think it's always cool to get nicer, cleaner, cooler looking ballparks and stadiums and things. But there's just something special about Olson Field. Yeah, you know, when you walk into that building, it's just such a unique atmosphere compared to a lot of other places. And well, I don't want to lose that above all else. Well, and I think that's something that Schloss Eagle is very. Um, very aware of oh yeah um, you know I, he understands and respects you know texas a when he was at tcu just for the the atmosphere and and you know what a good atmosphere could mean in, in college baseball yeah. um so i think what will be done will will be something that maintains you know atmosphere integrity because it's not like we're going to go out and put up a twenty five thousand seat stadium so you're not going to like bulldoze you know bluebell yeah. um so it's just going to be a lot of very uh i think creative um upgrades to add some seating not a ton yeah um but uh you know spruce it up a little bit you know i, I think the you know some some outdoor areas like the grilling areas like mississippi state has like i love all that stuff i love i love a higher wall with the bullpen underneath i love that mm-hmm. um so i think there's a lot of fun things that you can do in left and right um and then also you know, with with the bullpens and kind of make sure they're covered and safe. So, yeah. uh, you know, getting getting rid of the berms and putting seating back in. Please, um, <laughs> that, that that's number one for me. Is like if you're going to have berm seating, I feel like that's something that you relegate to the outfield, and that's a totally fine thing to do because you know when you have empty seats in the outfield, empty seats look bad. But if you have grass, it's just grass. Yeah, you know, and when it's full, it looks great. But when it's just grass, it's just grass. It's all right. No, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty to look at. But yeah, yeah it's I'm like half the, half the major league ballparks, you know, they got grass out in the center. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I just love I love that ballpark and I'm excited for what's going on with this team and looking forward to getting back out there because frankly, I did not get a lot of chances to go this past spring. We were so stinking busy. And fortunately, our spring's fairly light this year and by comparison, thanks to a number of other things we have going on. So might make it out to Olsen a few times here and there. I'm excited about that prospect. Yeah, I, I have I have Olsen and Davis on my calendar, that's for sure. Mm, I, and I did want to get out to Davis Diamond, too, because, man, that's a great ballpark. And, you know, that's a growing program that definitely needs support from the fans as often as we can give it. Yeah, they do. And they're fun. You know, it's seven-inning games. It's not It's not like baseball. You're not spending three and a half, four or five hours at the Diamond sometimes. No. Um, and, and let's face it, it's a lot more of a low-key. I mean, yeah, it's still a good – it's a good energy environment, but it's not as hostile as you'll see at baseball compared with what's going on in softball. It's it's just – it's fun. I like yeah, softball. The, the, the sugar daddies can get rowdy, but 
if, if AM starts winning, that place can get rowdy because oh, yeah. you'll have people from Olson wandering over to Davis. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and if you've never seen Division One softball in person, um, oh. I think you'll be amazed at how fast that ball gets from the circle to the catcher's mitt. <laughs> uh-huh. And and their uh yeah and their season's kicking off sooner uh they're gonna be rolling in let me uh and they sure. have their uh, they have invitational stuff that they play a lot too I'm not sure which ones they're in this year they always go out to California I think it was the Marionette Classic yeah uh, so their season kicks off on the ninth they're gonna be going up against uh well, who who were they playing Val Valparaiso I guess that was their first Valparaiso yeah Valparaiso or Valpo yeah. if you will. Yeah, Valpo and Lehigh. That's how they kick off their season. That's right. They always kick it off with the Aggie Classic. Mm-hmm. So they'll do the Aggie Classic at home, and then uh, then they'll head out to the West Coast, um, Oregon, San Diego State, and it looks like Lamar. Yeah, uh, I mean, out there, out west. Mm-hmm. Um, then come home and and kind of some standard. They'll have another one. So they have the Aggie Classic, they have the Texas A&M Invitational. The Texas A&M Invitational is generally. A little bit more regional, but this year it's not. They've got uh, North Dakota State coming in, Kansas yeah. coming in. Then, you know, your UTSA, your Sam Houston. Or, excuse me, Sam Houston is after the, the Aggie Invitational. Yeah, but time. then then you're going out to, to Fullerton, yeah. um, and that'll be a big one because they've got uh, they got Michigan, Long Beach State, um, Weber. Weber State, and then uh, Cal State, Fullerton, and DePaul. That's, that's a big tournament. It is. Um, so we're going to have a real good idea of where they're at you know, by the time they get to conference. Yep. You know, the conference for them uh, starts up on uh, March 8th. Mm-hmm. So they welcome South Carolina to town. Yep. So I think that, that and again, you know, there's there's excitement. It's a little longer term with women's basketball because of just kind of where she's at in her rebuild. And I think softball is, is, is kind of similar in the sense that we're still building, you know, still building out the roster, still yeah. proving that we can win, you know, still installing culture maybe to an extent. Um, men's basketball, all of that should have been instilled. So your confidence really comes in the sense that we know that, um, you know, buzz teams do tend to get better as the year goes on and our schedule lightens up, you know, from what we've been playing. Yes. You know, just a touch. And then um, in Aggie baseball, obviously, you know, our expectations are through the roof. I, you know, my, our expectations are the O word. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that, that, I mean, when yeah. you're near preseason ranked uh, top eight team, that, that's by definition, they're saying we expect you to be a national seed. We expect you to be at the O. So, yeah. So, so there's, there's a, there's a, I, I think a ton of, of expectation and excitement for Aggie baseball. So, you know, we'll, we'll head into the spring, the semesters and, in, in, in you know, full, full blown, full blown kids back and everything, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I That'd think I think the transfer portal is closed. I don't know. They have to enroll in time to go to school. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say this much: uh, we had ourselves a pretty uh, exciting first little run. Uh, Mrs. Lonely doing very well with streams after the first couple of days, which is making us very happy. So if you haven't seen that song yet, it's available everywhere: Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, wherever wherever you consume. By all means, go find it and go give it a listen if you wouldn't mind. Make me a very happy camper. <laughs> so, yeah, Mrs. Lonely, very excited with that one coming out. Uh, show this weekend, we will be in San Antonio. We're at the San Antonio Rodeo Cookoff on uh, Saturday. So, yes, should be uh, apparently a ton of barbecue and other fun things out there. So we are excited about the prospect of getting some good food in our bellies. Um we're being playing uh basically a co-headlining set, so two seventy-five minutes. So we're playing our set, and then it's uh, Mickey and the Motor Cars, uh, oh, nice. the the other half of Reckless Kelly, as it were, and uh, yeah, phenomenal band, uh, great great musicians. Uh, if you haven't seen those guys, uh, please come out and come party with us. If you're in the San Antonio area, that would be a lot of fun. And then uh, going to be filming for our music video that next day for uh, Marlboros at Midnight. We're excited for that one in particular. And as soon as we have a release date for that, I'll be sure to share it on here. But yeah, um, had a good week uh, and just nice, relaxing weekend. Um, went out That's and watched great. watched the craziest concert I think I've ever seen at Hurricane Harry's on Friday night. Treaty, oh. Oak, Re- Treaty Oak Revival came into town. And 2,000 kids in the building and the, house, and the roof could have popped off. It was it was that packed and that high energy. I had kids on the back door 
offering me hundreds of dollars to sneak them in. I mean, it was in complete insanity. I haven't seen a crowd reaction like that at at uh, Harry's since Cohen Parker did their acoustic tour back in 2019. That was five years ago. So incredibly cool growth for that band, and I'm, I'm very excited for them. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah, so I you know hope hopefully we get similar treatment if we get back there maybe in a August or something I think that's the plan but we will be uh if if you are in the College Station area we do have a confirmed date uh, April nineteenth we will be at Harry's opening for Casey Donahue so be sure to come out if you're local and come see us there because that's it's after parents weekend so be a little bit quieter not too crazy <laughs> yeah. we we avoided parents weekend um. For that so please come party with us that night uh friday you know friday evening let's go out down and have a good time right on so that should be a lot of fun but yeah if you haven't already jump on our social media please uh come check us out on twitter as well as instagram um be sure to follow roy's personals mine as well uh be sure to go check out uh triple r there on youtube and go watch those yeah, we put one out on Friday uh, interviewing Hugh McElroy. And if you don't know, he's the first uh, black starter for, for Texas A&M football. And he's been in the community forever. He's just a fantastic guy. So if you haven't seen that one, I highly advise giving it a listen. He's also hilarious. Awesome. Um, and just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. It's such an honor to be able to, to interview him. But uh, we will be uh, mixing some stuff up a little bit with our YouTube channel just to kind of, it's really just more marketing kind of behind the scenes stuff. Um, trying to make sure that everything aligns well with uh, kind of my personal brand, I guess is what you would call it. Sure. But, um, but yeah, just keep an eye out every Friday, you know, today I should have the Monday market update going out. Oh. Um, if you're in my database, I'm going to start sending out the link for that. So, you, so people can watch it. If, if you're a kind of a numbers nerd, like I am. Um, and then I've got some new content coming up here pretty soon that, uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so I'll just kind of leave it at that for now. Yeah. And then I've got a really, really big development coming up later this year. Um, if you are at all interested in the real estate stuff, as we get closer and more stuff gets confirmed, um, I will be putting those details out cause it's, it's a big development here in town, um, that I think will be very, very, very cool. So, um, but yeah, just rocking and rolling, man. Trying to, you know, I've, I've still got to do classes. I'm finishing up my classes. Oh, yeah. Um, for, yeah. So it's, 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 I'm glad the weather sucks. So it'll motivate me to stay inside and do class. Hey, that, that is the plus side. Uh, that, that'll certainly work. Uh, and, uh, as we're getting down the line here, uh, one other thing I'm working on right now, a uh, new website, a uh, little personal website for myself. It's going to be called robwhitegraphics.com. Um, currently finishing up the details on it, almost done with it. So, uh, don't, don't go looking for it yet. You're not going to see anything, but, um, uh, as soon as I have that up, I'll be sure to share the link, but it's going to be just my personal, uh, portfolio essentially with, um, a bunch of graphic design stuff, uh, posters I've made, logos, album art, yada, 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 any of that kind of stuff. So if uh, you're interested in contacting me on potentially getting some work done, please reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to work with you. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for this week. Uh, hopefully once we get out of the rain, it'll be a nice little weekend, but got to suck through the rain first. I'm Rob I'll White. You, I'll, I'll, I'll take all the rain I can get, trust me, because uh, you, know, you never know when you're going to get more rain. So I'll yeah. take it. I'll take all I can get. Up all these foundations, all the clay get nice and swollen back up. And, um, but yeah, just stay dry, stay safe out there. Yep, I'm Rob White. That's Roy May. We are the Red Ass Podcast. Thank you. Take care and beat the hell out of Missouri. Yeah.